Welcome y bienvenidos to the Bridge Covenant Church Podcast. Whether you weren't able to join us on Sunday or just thought the message was so nice you listened to it twice, we pray these words will encourage you in your walk with Jesus. For more information about today's sermon or to learn more about Bridge, please visit us at bridgecovenant.org. Have a great time together on the mountain, but he um, he uh, misses you while while he's gone. Um, but like I said, he's <laughs> in his element, so he's um, probably not missing us too much. <laughs> Maybe he's praying with us a little bit on the lift. I don't know. Um, well, I want us to start our morning as we often do at Bridge, and that is actually opening our Bibles uh, or our. However, we read scripture together, uh, read scripture, and we're going to do that together in groups of two or three or four. And I would like you to, um, I think we have a slide on this, right, Jax? Yep, there we go. I'd like you to open your Bibles to almost the end of the New Testament to 1 John 1, 6 through 2, 2, and then turn a little, another page, three, uh, chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. So 1 John chapter 1, 6 through 2, 2, and then chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. So gather in groups of two or three or four, and don't leave anybody out ahead behind you or in front of you, and let's read our scripture as we start this morning. Thank you. 
So 1 John 1, 6, 2 through 2, and then chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. Looks like maybe we're close. Everyone's read. Bedside Baptist. All right, so it looks like most of you have finished. This is, this is what happens when a pastor lets you guys talk. So let's all come back together and a hush fell over the crowd. <laughs> hush didn't fall over the crowd. And a hush fell over the crowd and they all became attentive again. All right, so last week we started a new series. Uh, Jax, can you go on to the next slide, please? A, ne a new series called Both Are True. And if you look around the room, it was our participatory um, gathering, and we, um, we started by taking a look at, at um, understanding ourselves and then uh, understanding our faith. So there are tensions within, uh, when we call Jesus as Lord of our lives, there are tensions that come with that. And so um, we're going to be talking about the fact that both, or tr both are true. Can there actually be uh, statements uh, in the Bible that seem to contradict each other, but they're actually both true? And uh, did you sense that when you read this morning? Mm -hmm. Right? So um, that's one of the challenges that we find um, as people who follow Jesus. So um, these are the topics we're going to be uh, looking at as we go through this series. We're going to be taking a look at faith and works at uh, grace and law. Um, this morning we're going to look at saint and sinner. We're actually going to look at submission and authority because I know that's one that everyone just goes, ooh. Like when we were going around the room, I had someone tell me, I'm not even going to go to that page because I just, I, don't, I can't deal with, I don't want to even think of, I can't, those, those words, no, I don't want to even think about them. So, but these are all things that we have to think about as we follow Jesus as Christ followers. Um, so we're going to be we're going to be talking about kind of you know I was sitting with someone a couple weeks ago and she was talking about kind of deconstructing her faith and I said oh that's so interesting because we're starting this series where we actually understand that there is this gray right there it's not just black and white 
there is this gray section of our lives. We experience it all the time, right? We turn on the radio, we experience it. We go to work, we experience it. But somehow we think that, no, we, you know, our, our way is the right way and this person's way is the wrong way. But there is this gray that if we're going to live together in community, we have to be able to walk in and live in. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to be talking about tensions, but to start off, there are three basic tensions. When you, when you claim that Jesus is Lord of your life, there are three basic tensions that we have in our life. And those are the tensions between these two things. God gives us the gift of grace, right? He gives us gifts, but then he also calls us to test. So when Jesus was walking with people, he offered them limitless grace. But then when they said, I'm in, he said, okay, now it's limitless obedience. So there's a task, right? So this is always underlying our faith. We're given a, a gift, but it also comes with a task. Um, we also live in a new age, right? When Jesus was born, he entered in this new age where he, he goes into the um, synagogue. We talked about this last week, and he opens the scripture, and the scriptures, and what does it say? It says that I am proclaiming that I am this person. I am the Lord. He's, entering a, he's ushering a new age where new things are happening, and yet it hasn't come to completion because Christ has not come back yet. So we live in this new age, but yet we still live in the old. Don't we feel that when we walk out our door? <laughs> Don't we feel that when we get up in the morning or when we have a conversation with a coworker? So that's a, that's a tension that's always, always working with us. And then we live in the tension of death and resurrection. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And, you know, we say that verse, we memorize that verse, but what does that mean to actually do that verse? What it means, I think, in a very simple way, is that every time I lay down my will and I die to my will in order to do God's will, then I am dying and resurrecting with Jesus. So these are three tensions that underlie our, our relationships um, when we say, I believe that Jesus is Lord. So tensions form us and tensions form our faith, and those are the things we're going to be looking at. Now we have to give credit to one of our professors, Klein Snodgrass, and we've read a book uh, that he's written that, that basically he says everything's so great that sometimes we just can't re-say it. Um, and so if you pick up the book afterwards, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, Carmen, Carmen basically did that chapter on Saint and Sinner. That's right. I'm just going to tell you right now that that's what's going on. Um, so I'm gonna, just going to give credit to Klein throughout, throughout, the, um, throughout the, t the sermon series. So both are true, but you know, it seems that once we commit our life to Jesus, once we say Jesus is Lord, shouldn't it just be that there are all these great things? Aren't there, what are some great things about saying Jesus is Lord? What are some great things about being a Christ follower? Freedom. Freedom. We sang about that this morning. What else? Purpose. 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 What else? Peace. Anything else? Meaning. Meaning. Anything else? Hope. Hope. Joy, redemption, forgiveness, love, yes, yes, yes to all those things. All of these things and more come with saying Jesus is Lord. But saying Jesus is Lord must seep into the fabric of my life. It must seep into the daily decisions that I make. It must seep into my mind so that the things that I think also say Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Confessing Jesus as Lord should permeate all that we do. So that if you think, so it, let's say that we're the sponge, right? I know it's in the shape of a heart and not the shape of a person. Um, but let's say we're the sponge. And, um, and without, is anything coming out right now? No, right? Because I haven't, I, I'm not, I haven't put it in anything, right? But if I actually put it in this water and I let the, the water seep in here, right? look familiar, Jayla? 
actually use this at their wedding. Um, and I squeeze it, what comes out? The liquid, right? So that if we say Jesus is Lord, when we're squeezed by tension or when we're squeezed, if we are saturated with Christ, then what comes out is, isn't us, but what comes out is Jesus. And when we're living in the midst of tension, what I would rather have come out, not as me, but as Jesus. I don't know, would you rather have yourself come out in tension or would you rather have Jesus come out? <laughs> it's pretty ugly if I come out, but it's not as ugly if Jesus comes out, right? So, um, but submerging ourselves isn't always easy, right? We stay away from the water sometimes because instead of saying Jesus is Lord, we want to say, I am Lord. I am Lord. I'm going to do my own thing. I have my own thoughts. I have my own ways. I'm going to make my own decisions. And that is saying that I am the Lord of my life. And when we say that, it's like that first sponge, right? Where nothing comes out. If we desire to follow his ways and commit to his call, then we have to be transformed to make, um, to make those decisions, to be able to say, either I am Lord or Jesus is Lord. And the tension is real there, right? So let's pray as we, as we move forward. Lord, we thank you for calling us to be your own. We thank you for the things that, that you um, challenge us with, for the tensions that we live in as being called your children. Lord, would you help us this morning um, think through things uh, as your children, as your followers, as people who do say not that I am the Lord, but that you are the Lord. Would your Holy Spirit come and calm our thoughts and our minds? Would we walk out of here today with some practical things, some practical ways that we can address tension in our lives as we, as we walk through our days trying to be people who, who love you and follow you and who are saturated by you and your word? Amen. All right, so this morning we're going to take a look at attention that forms us. Um, we're going to take a look at the fact that we're a saint and a sinner. Now, I don't know about you, but e neither word really, <laughs> really sits too well with me, right? So how do you feel when I say, hey, Stephen, you're a saint? And I could say this to anybody, right? But if you want to respond, you can. So how does that feel when I say, hey, you're a saint, Jean? Rebecca, you are a saint. Like, what is, oh, Rebecca says, I know, she's my sister. <laughs> She's making a comparison to me and her, right? I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, how, but just in general, how does it feel, that word, saint? Hard to live up to. Hard to live up to. Anyone else have, a, like, a reaction or anything that comes to mind when you think of saint? I'm going to move this this way a little bit because it seems to kind of respond to that speaker. All right, well, what about the other word? <laughs> Uh, so how does it feel when I say you're a sinner? Makes you feel bad. Yeah. So neither, if we're honest, neither word, neither word sits very well with us, right? Um, Martin Luther says that we are at the same time saint and sinner. We are created in the image of God so that there is this moral awareness. That we have a desire to be in relationship with God and to follow his ways, but we're not robots. So we, we have the ability to choose. We have the ability to choose to go it alone or to, uh, to be dependent on, on, on God. Um, and there is this, this kind of challenge within us um, where we experience one of the tensions we already thought about. It. Galatians 5.17 says, 
The, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So, so there is this uh, this kind of conflict between the spirit and the flesh, right? Do you guys feel that constantly? I feel that constantly every day. <laughs> There's this conflict of, of of the spirit telling us to do this thing, and yet the flesh or our own desires, my own desires, saying, "No, I want to do this instead." So we can't say that we're part sinner or we're part saint. We can't say, well, sometimes I'm a sinner and sometimes I'm a saint. We are at the same time saint and sinner. We are at the same time saint and sinner. So let's unpack these words a bit because we've already, we've already addressed that both of them make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Um, perhaps our idea about saint or sinner, sinner need a little bit of realignment. Um, so Klein, Klein has a great quote about, uh, about this, and it says, about being holy. The New Testament describes people as saints or holy ones. The thought is not, first of all, about moral behavior. It's about position. Let me read that again. The New Testament describes people as saints or holy ones. The thought is not, first of all, about moral behavior, but is that normally where we go? Right? It's about position. To describe something as holy means that it has been set apart. And as followers of Jesus, we have been set apart to live holy lives. Now, we haven't set ourselves apart so often as we believe, but who has set us apart? God has set us apart. He has separated us, us to himself and has given us a new standing in, in Christ. The action is not ours, but Jesus. We have been given a new position. Amen? And because it's not me who did it, the position doesn't go away, right? Both are true. So um, I think that this, this, uh, this is a little bit hard for us to understand. Um, so uh, I'm always drawn to a story that Max Lucado tells, and, and if you've been with us for a while, you've heard it maybe, maybe once, maybe twice, about a young girl who's skiing with her family and um, there's a skiing accident, and she, she skis off a cliff, and she, and she dies during a, a vacation. And um, her parents decide to give her, her organs away. And there is a young mom who is a nurse who's been waiting for a heart, and she, um, she gets this young girl's heart. And now organ, organ donors usually don't have each other's names, but for somehow these, these people had names. And the mom said to the young woman who received her heart, who was a nurse, uh, when they met, I just want to hear my daughter's heart. You can get online and watch it on Misty. <laughs> so they meet, and then the woman who has her daughter's heart is a nurse, and she takes the stethoscope, and the mom puts on the stethoscope, and she listens to her daughter's heart beating in another body. And Max goes on to say, that's what happens when Jesus looks at you. Because you have his heart beating in your body. We have a new position through Jesus. God is transforming our hearts to beat like his. He is transforming our minds to think like his. We are called to be holy because he is holy. First Peter says, be holy because I am holy. And we have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us in this endeavor. We are saints. Want to say that with me? We are saints. So what does it mean to be a sinner? <laughs> it, 
It might be hard to think about being a sinner because I, I do think that our idea of being a sinner is a little too narrow. It's a little too limited um, than it should be. Um, you, you know, if I've made it through the day without breaking any Ten Commandments, woo! Woohoo! I'm not a sinner. Therefore, you know, we think we're not sinners. However, uh, sin is much more than the acts we, we commit because there's this biblical view of sin, right? Um, and the Old Testament and the New Testament both have a variety of words and ideas that explain c- the concept of sin. So I'm just going to list a few. Missing the mark, maybe you've heard them. Falling, disobedience, rebellion, guilt, uncleanliness. The Bible also describes that there are unintentional sins, there are deliberate sins, and there are sins of omission. <laughs> now, that one, uh, the last one, the sin of omission is challenging for me because I think that we often think that what we do is sinful, but it could actually be that what we fail to do is actually sinful also. Sin is the failure uh, to let you be you. Now, I said last week that my sister's given me this new phrase, and it's, um, Carmen, you be you. And I think when we're, we're talking about all of this is about our identity in Christ. And, and God wants you to be you. You know, uh, uh, we've missed, uh, we've mi- honestly, we have missed you playing the tambourine. It has, there has been a void. Why? Because God has created you as a, mus- a musician. He's called you to be you. And because you have been you, we have been blessed by your gifts. Failure to be the person that God has created you to be cannot, is sin. Sin can also be described as a, fe- a sphere in which we live, um, a sphere in which we are the Lord of our lives and Jesus isn't, a space where we let our minds be conformed to the ways of the world instead of being transformed to be like Christ. Now, we may not have broken any commandments, but if I define success or necessities according to a structure that has no room for God, I'm sinning. <laughs> let me read that again. I may not have broken any commandment, but if I define success or necessities according to a structure that has no room for God, I am sinning. Now, can you think of any structures that we have that have no room for God in our lives, in our state, in our society in general? So Martin Luther defines sin as a human being curved in upon himself or herself, like if you shave a pencil, you know, the curving. If we reject God or ignore God in our lives, in order to live our own lives, we are sinning. Money, desires, relationships all hold the possibility of trapping us in sin by leading us away from God and being curled up on ourselves, of being centered on ourselves. So here's one more thing about sin. We should think about it as a force field. Now, I'm not really into Star Wars, but Star Wars is huge right now, right? We were at the, gro- we were at the store buying a present yesterday because Gideon had two birthday parties this week, and he wanted to buy one of those you know, lightsabers. <laughs> And I think about a force, I don't know, should I think about a force field, Joel, when I think about a lifesaver? Yes, that's right. No. (laughs) Technically, (laughs) technically it's not. It's okay. You can't correct me. Can I think about a force field when I think about Star Wars? Yeah, that works. Okay. All right. So we have to be aware that, you know, sin is a power like a force field, and it can trap us and and control us. We are sinners. Let's say that. We are sinners. We can't say that we are part sinner or part saint, nor can we say that sometimes we're a sinner and sometimes we're a saint. We are saint and sinner. So now that we've unpacked saint and sinner, let's unpack the scripture we read this morning because it gives us a little window into being both a sinner and a saint. When you read these sections, perhaps, did you feel any any tension? 
Do you feel they're in conflict with each other, the scriptures? Um, are they part of the same letter? Do they seem like they shouldn't be? But they are. Um, in the first chapter, John is responding to those in the community that be- who believe they can be without sin or guilt. Um, he's addressing those who believe that through being perfect, one actually stops sinning. One stops being a sinner. He clearly lays out his rejection of this idea in the first passage that we, that we read. So, um, and, and if you want to open up your Bibles again to 1 John 1, 6, 2 through 2, or your phones, or whatever you, whatever you have, he says, if we claim to have fellowship while living a sinful life, then we lie. Right? So he, again, his, his, his audience is people who have come to the belief that if you follow Christ, you can actually live a sinless life. You can be perfect. Wow. <laughs> and so he's, he's just laying out a theology that says, no, that's, that's not true. Um, verse 2, he says, um, or 2, he says that we need to live as we're called. And if we walk in the light, that means if we live as we're called to follow Jesus, then we have fellowship with one another and, and his blood cleanses us from sin. Um, and then it says if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. We're out of touch with the truth. So um, he is laying forward this theology that we have to confess our sin, we have to receive forgiveness, and then that is found in the cleansing blood of Christ. That's the first thing we read. Well, the next section of scripture we read from the same letter seems to be in direct conflict with the one that we've just read. In the first chapter, John says that anyone who claims to not sin is a liar. And then he says, uh, if you remain in Christ, those who remain in Christ are not sinning. And if they are sinning, they don't know Christ. And they're of the devil. <laughs> well, what, which one's true, John? So what is happening? You see, he's addressing these two realities in his community. There are some who believe that their relationship with God is so good that they no longer sinned, the first, the first people. However, even though they thought they had a close fellowship with God, they were living their lives as if God wasn't a part of them. They were these dry sponges that hadn't been soaked into Christ. And they were living as if God... It didn't matter what they did with their lives or the decisions they make or the thoughts that they had. So in order to address both issues, John first lays out a theology of confession, forgiveness, and cleansing through Christ in the first section that we read. No claim on a sinless life is is acceptable, nor can a new life in Christ include a life of sin. We cannot escape the reality of sin in our lives. The denial of sin and its guilt is delusion and evidence of distance from God. Sin is to be confessed, and forgiveness is to be found by the cleansing of Christ. On the other hand, sin is not to be taken for granted. It's not to be practiced. Those in Christ cannot live a life characterized by sin. It's also helpful, just one last little thing about the scripture. In, in, the, in the second one that we read, in, in um, 3, 4 through 10, you know, the, the tenses in Greek are different. The verb tenses are different. So it's important that when we read through it, we understand that, that what's happening here is that when he's speaking of sinning, it's in a present tense, which stresses the continual action. So if a verb is in a present tense, it means it's a continual action that you continue to do over and over. So verse 6, where he says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning, that's actually, in, in the Greek, you would live that as they continue to sin. Continual, continual, continual. Or verse 9, um, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, which means they can't go on continually sinning over and over and over. Does that make sense? 
Um, but don't get too stressed out about the tension. I don't know, does this, does this make you stressed out or does it make you go like, whoa, this is confusing? <laughs> Any thoughts? It's confusing, isn't it? Any thoughts? Other thoughts? It's the reality of who we are. I know you didn't think I was going to make you think of the deep theological thoughts to share this morning, so sorry to throw that out there. Um, but let's not get, I, I, you know, it is, it's the reality of who we are, and yet it's hard sometimes when we read scripture to understand. But, but Klein has three coping mechanisms that I want to leave with you, leave with you today. First of all, um, I think there's a slide here, Jax, please. The first coping is to focus on Christ. Focus on Christ, not sin. So when I was uh, in Colombia, um, I was working with this little church, and at the time when I was in Colombia, there happened to be um, kind of just this outburst of demon possessions. Now, if you don't believe in that, that's fine, but I've experienced it, and let me just tell you that it is really, it's true, and it's quite scary. The first experience I had um, was in a service on a Wednesday night, and I actually, we got home like at 10 at night, and in Colombia, the sun comes up at 6 and sets at 6. And I went home with my Bible, and I read until the sun came up. That's how freaked out I was by, like, the experience I had just had with, with evil. <laughs> it's real. Um, and so I was leading a woman's Bible study, and when we, and I had, I, and uh, the, peop, the women were like, well, we want to watch this video. And I was like, what's it on? Well, it's on demon possession. I was like, we want to read, I was like, what's it on? Demon possession. I'm like, no, 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 no. Time out. Like, we are not going to focus on demon possession. We're going to focus on Christ. Amen? Amen. So I think that, that when we can get overwhelmed by sin, but we're not to focus on sin. We are to focus on Christ and the life that he empowers us to live through the Spirit. The second thing is to be honest. Now, um, you know, it's easy to be honest about everybody else, right? Jayla can be pretty honest about Stephen, I'm sure. Stephen can be pretty honest about Jayla. I can be really honest about Scott, especially if you're married. But, you know, it's, 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 it's honest to be, and it can happen in our family, too. Like, I can be real honest about, my, about Rebecca, you know, so she's great, which is really, really the truth. But, you know, it's hard to be honest um, with ourselves. And I think that we really need... If, if the Lord is Lord of our, you know, if Jesus is Lord, then we have to be honest about who we are. You know, remember how Martin Luther defines sin as someone who's curved in upon himself? We must be honest that we are curved in upon ourselves. That we can, without even noticing, confess that Jesus is Lord and then go on living our lives ignoring that God even exists. <laughs> When we come to the understanding, the truth of what we've been talking about this morning, that we are at the same time saint and sinner, then the reality of our lives can start to seep down deep into the fabric of who we are. Honesty helps us because if we're honest, we know that we're always tempted by pride and pleasure. <laughs> and let's be honest, there is no sin that is, that is with, with, not within our grasp. We are capable of any sin. But if we view ourselves as God views us, we have new life in Christ. That's the other honest part. If God says you have new life in Christ, then let's be honest and say, I have new life in Christ. And then we need to rebel against sin. 
If Jesus is Lord, do we really believe it? Uh, I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I don't think I have a slide for it, but it says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You will not be tempted beyond what you can bear, but he will provide a way out. Now, I look back at my life, and I can see all these times when God provided a way out, and I didn't take it. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? But let's be people who, 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 who flee from sin, who, who take the way out, who when God opens a door, we go through it, or when God puts a person in our life, we, we listen, whatever it is. You know, um, Romans, one more verse, and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Romans 6, 12 through 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been bought from, brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself as, to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Paul is talking about living as Christ followers, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord, calls us to rebel against sin, to flee from it. Sin no longer rules over us. Being a Christian is a change of lordship, a lordship from sin to saying that Jesus is Lord. Now, Jesus is Lord was a very common thing in the New Testament for people to say. And when they said Jesus is Lord, it was so radical. Because what they were really saying is that Caesar is not Lord. And saying Jesus is Lord actually had implications on their daily lives. They could, they could lose their job. They could lose their profession. They could lose an abundance of things. And yet they believed and they said Jesus is Lord. I, I encourage you that as we go through this, as we go through this um, sermon series, as we talk about the tensions, as, you, uh, as you're involved in, and I'm sure, a variety of tensions throughout the day in your work with other people, to say that Jesus is Lord, to, to picture yourself being, I love some, we, all the songs today were perfect. Like, you know, sometimes it looks like we actually plan it, we don't. I just say, Holy Spirit, move in them, and they just do it. They listen to the Spirit. But, you know, if we, are, if we let these living waters of Jesus flood us, if we, if we say Jesus is Lord and then we receive what he has to give, then we can be these people who out of us flows living water, even in the midst of tension. Even in the midst of tension. You join me in prayer. Lord, thank you that um, even though our lives are complex and even though there's tension uh, in being your follower and claiming that you are Lord, um, Lord, that you have given us all that we need to, to live a life uh, with you and for you, to set our minds on you, to set our thoughts on you, to, to be people who, when we're in situations and with people, uh, as Tyler has said, that we have time to spend an hour in the grocery store. Lord, that's being wrung out with you. Um, Lord, help us be people who soak you up so that... Uh, in whatever situation we find you, that people might receive you and us living through you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Bridge Covenant Church podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at bridgecovenant.org.